Well, last week, um, if you remember last week, uh, we prayed for the people in Iran and we prayed for those two girls, uh, Mariam and, and Marcier. And uh, I don't know if we have their picture. Yeah, remember them, Mariam and Marcier? We prayed because they've been in prison for, uh, for seven months now uh, for the sake of the gospel. Uh, and, and last Sunday was one of those rare times when we all just got on our knees and, and prayed. Uh, and uh, Wednesday, they were kind of they were called into court out of nowhere, and um, and there was a different judge that showed compassion on them, and uh, and they decided there were three charges against them, and uh, the the most serious one they dropped, and uh, and now they're going to a different court, and uh, and it was just a total surprise hearing out of nowhere, and. And I thought, wow, that is so cool. And, and I was thinking back to, you know, in, in, in the book of Acts when they were praying. Remember for the apostles that were in prison and during the middle of their prayer meeting, there's a knock on the door and, you know, and it's, it's, it's Peter and he's, you know, he, he's free. And the people are like, no, it can't be him. It can't be him. Yeah, let's keep praying. Let's keep praying that God will free him. You know, it was like this, this, this almost surprise thing. And I, I just, I'd, I'd love to pray again. I'd love to pray with that type of faith. And and on, if I'm perfectly honest, I wasn't expecting any news this week. You know, I don't know if you were, but you just go, okay, seven months they've been in there. It doesn't really look like there's any chance of them getting out. And then we get on our knees and pray. And, okay, now they're, things are changing. Things are different. And, and sometimes, you know, when God starts to move, we, we back off and start praying for something else. Um, rather than continuing on and saying, God, no, I'd love to see him come out of prison um, this week. I'd love to see it. And not to say, God, this is what you have to do, but God, you've already shown us that you've been listening to our prayers. And uh, I'd like to see it all the way through and have that type of faith. So would you guys join me in praying for Mariam and and Marcier? Father, I thank you for these two just wonderful sisters in the Lord that are in prison right now in Iran. God, I hear that their health is failing after months of being in there. And God, I thank you for the things that you did this week. And I'm so sorry for my lack of faith. God, I pray that you would free them. God, the reports I hear are that these two gals have have passed out over 10,000 Bibles there in Iran and shared the gospel with so many people, just amazing servants of you that are willing to die in prison for you. And that may be your will, God, but I would love to see a miracle. We all would. And see them released and now proclaiming your gospel again unashamedly for now God thank you for giving us such a beautiful example and I pray that you continue to bring glory to your name through these two girls in Jesus name I pray amen thanks you guys as I was uh, praying about this week and uh, let me start over um 
Next week, uh, wait, let me start over. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, It's really not that confusing of a thing to say. I just don't know why. I've been noticing, okay, okay, I was gone all summer. I was doing things out in the valley, and I was traveling around the world just speaking. And, And it's real easy for me to get into a speaker mode. Like, here, here's what I do. Like, for example, this week, um, Thursday night, I'm in Atlanta. I'm in front of 13,000 pastors. And I'm given about 30 minutes. So I have 30 minutes to go in there and change their whole lives. Okay? <laughs> no big deal. Just go do it. Okay? You know, and then, you know, then Friday morning, got a little thing there in Atlanta. Then Friday night... I'm in, uh, in, in San Diego doing a thing on human trafficking. And they give me 10 minutes, okay? 10 minutes. Get everyone fired up about human trafficking. Okay. So I've got 10 minutes to change everyone's life. Then last night, I'm doing a concert in the sports arena. And, I don't know, 10,000 people. And you got 30 minutes. 30 minutes. you you got to lead them to the Lord. you got to change everything. Okay, this is my life, you know? And so then I wake up this morning and, and it's hard, you know, so a lot of times, you know, like I, I'm doing that all summer and then I, I get back to, to church mode and, or, or teaching mode and, and, and I have to almost change my hat, uh, because there's a difference. Um, we're going to be hanging out for a while, Lord willing, and there's a week after week teaching. And so sometimes, you know, coming back, I apologize if I come and I just want to change everything in 30 minutes because that's just the mode that I'm in rather than this is, uh, this is what I look forward to. This is like family and, and I, I get in this mode where, okay, you got to change everyone in 30 minutes. And it's like, no, no, this is about living life together. This is about uh, going on and on. And so I, I apologize if sometimes I, I come back here and, and I just want to change everything in 30 minutes. Um, and, and there's no excuse. It's just I'm so used to that. I'm so used to this 10 minutes, change everyone, please. You know, that's your job. That's what we got you out here versus let's live life together. I want you to see my life. I want to see your life. You know, we all want to see each other's lives and, and live as family together. And, um, and, and just realizing that, uh, you know, I thought, you know what, I need to just get back into teaching through a book of the Bible, knowing you're going to be here next week, and on and on. And, and so starting next week, I'm, I'm going to start teaching through the book of Second Peter, um, and just start going through that book. It's, uh, I, I was going to preach First Peter, and I realized, ah, I preached that a few years ago. And then I realized I always teach, like, the first of everything. Like First Corinthians, First John, First Peter, and the second and thirds always get left out. And uh, and so we're going, you know, I was reading through First and Second Peter and go, you know, that what a, what an amazing book. And I'd love to kind of just take some time and slow down again. And uh, I, and we talked last week about slowing down and how we live in this world where we're quick to speak, and when we're quick to speak, we're quick to become angry, rather than what the Scripture commands us to do which is being slow to speak and slow to anger, but quick to listen. And so God's really been teaching me about that. And, and, and about, you know, last week we talked about the grace of God. Remember that? And I don't feel like we're done. That's why I want to take one more week uh, uh, and talk about this grace of God because the thing that I've noticed in my life too is as we get in this fast-paced, 
fix everyone angry intolerant mode um, here here's the problem with it is I've noticed in my life I'm not showing a ton of grace now grace is when someone doesn't deserve something but you bless them anyways you know like what God's done with us right we don't deserve any of these blessings, but God gives them to us anyways. We certainly don't deserve, you know, his son paying for our sins. And we certainly don't deserve this eternity that we're, that's in store for us. But that's his grace. He, he's the God of all grace, like I read last week from First Peter 5. He's the God of all grace. And it's like, wow. Now, now understand, and I know I'm all over the place, but um, we have a mission statement as a church that we wrote. 14 years ago and and it starts off like this it says our 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 mission statement as a church is to give everyone everyone in in our community an accurate picture of god and it's to develop those who believe into fully devoted followers of jesus now when i wrote this when i wrote this idea of giving everyone an accurate picture of god giving everyone an accurate, every individual an accurate picture of God. The only thing I had in my mind when I wrote that was how people in the world have a very distorted picture of God. They have a very small view of God. They don't see God as this holy, magnificent being as he describes himself which he describes himself and says, look, I am this holy being. I am sitting on my throne. I dwell in this unapproachable light. You can't even come into my... Do you understand that? Do you understand who I am? Like, like, you know, you guys are down there on the earth going, oh, I'm going to get in God's face. Oh, he can't tell me this. He goes, do you even get who I am? You know? And, and that was such a burden of mine. It's like, gosh, we in this world, we have this weird view of God, like he's this little old man with gray hair and, you know, and a little beard and you know, we can go up there and he's gonna judge us, you know? And, and, and it's, it's, it's like this, 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 this little weak, it's like Judge Wapner, you know? It's just like this, well, what are you thinking? Like, that's your view of God, someone you can debate with, argue with? That's not the way he describes himself. And, and so in starting a church, you know, my mindset is, I want everyone to have an accurate picture of him. And that comes through being accurate in, in teaching this book and teaching everything this book says. Not leaving certain parts out that, that we don't like to, you know, that, that don't sit well with us. It's teaching it all. We want to be accurate because we have a distorted, distorted, distorted view of God on this earth. And so we have to hold up the word of God and teach the word of God and say, no, this is what God says about himself. I know you would rather him be someone you can control like a little puppet, but that's not who he is. And my job, whether you accept it or reject it, look, I'm going to give you an accurate picture of God. And so we've been doing that. But the last couple of years as we've been studying scripture, we realize that giving people an accurate picture of God is not only through doctrine. And it's not only through teaching. Biblically, it's through the way we live our lives. See, if, if I don't display God, it's one thing to, uh, to describe God through my words. But unless I display him properly, I'm giving an inaccurate picture of God. So even though I may say he's a God of grace in my life, if I don't represent him and show grace to everyone, I'm giving everyone a distorted picture. 
That's why it's so ugly when, 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 uh, when even in our own families, in our own marriages, we can preach Jesus Christ and his forgiveness. And then when I don't forgive my wife and leave her, what kind of picture of, of God does that give? How is that an accurate picture of Jesus Christ? We're called his ambassadors. And so I'm looking at my life and I'm going, gosh, here's this God of all grace. Meanwhile, I haven't been displaying his grace. So, so I'm not being an accurate picture of Jesus. And that's our whole desire here. That's why we're saying, look, in your neighborhoods, we're supposed to reflect a forgiveness of one another, um, a, a, a graciousness toward one another, praying for one another, you know, giving of our stuff for one another, just sacrificing for one another. Why? Because that's, that's a proper reflection of God. That's an accurate picture of God. But when we get together and gossip with one another and, and talk negatively about it, how is that a right picture of God? And when someone offends us and we just walk away from them and just ditch them, how was that an accurate picture of Jesus? Is that, is that what Jesus did for you? Once you started screwing up, he goes, okay, I'm done with him. Is that an accurate picture? And so understand that as we des- de- desire to give this accurate picture of God, it's through us being fully developed followers of Jesus. We give an accurate picture of God, not just by talking about him properly, but displaying him to the world. And, uh, and, and, and so these, these things that sometimes we, we go, uh, when we think of sin, you know, we think of adultery, we think of murder, we think of, you know, you know, stealing. And we don't think about uh, just the sin of not representing Christ well and not being a good picture of him. And uh, so for me, it was uh, in my mind as I'm thinking through, okay, God, how am I not reflecting you? How am I not a reflection of you? And I thought, God, you really have shown me so much grace in my life. And lately, I haven't been showing that same type of grace to other people. So God, change that. Change that in me. Um, a, a little a couple of weeks ago, I, uh, you know, when you notice some of these things in your life, I go, okay, who shows grace? Who's just full of the joy? You know, because cause here's the other thing is, is a couple of weeks ago, I was just so stressed, you know, having heart problems and everything else. Okay, how is that a picture of God? Is God up there stressed out right now? Is his heart skipping a beat? And what am I going to do? What am I going to do? It's like, wow, what an inaccurate picture of God. My stress, my anxiety is not a good picture of God. I am not giving an accurate picture of God. I can tell you God's at peace. He's not worried. But then you look at my life and go, wow, he's a child of God. And he sure is freaked out. That's what we call hypocrisy, right? And then don't we hate hypocrisy? As when we say one thing and we live another. See, that's what happens when we preach the right gospel, but we don't live it. And I'm not showing grace. I'm not showing the God of all peace. I'm not showing this joy and this peace and this love of God through the way that I live. And so that's when doctrine becomes. That's why the Bible says we need to be adorned with this doctrine of God. It's like we should be clothed with it. It's not that it just comes out of our mouth. But it's through our actions, the way we live, people look at you and they see Jesus Christ. They see a giving, a sacrifice, a love, a joy, a peace, a willingness. Go ahead, hit me. Go ahead, slap me. I know what's coming. It's, it's, it's okay. You know what? I can take that. And you know what? Forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. As he's being nailed to a cross, he's loving people. 
And so if I'm going to give an accurate picture of God, it's going to be with a lot more than just this. It's, it's going to be through my actions and through my life. Will people see Jesus? And we need to all just kind of slow down and go, that's all that matters. He's not calling us to fix things. Um, we can't really fix things. It's not in our power. He's the one that fixes and changes things. And so let's just represent him well. Let's be led by his spirit, be directed by him. And as I prayed about that, I go, God, I, I, I need this grace. Uh, I need this joy again. This stress is all wrong. And, and, and so I went out to lunch with um, Pastor Jose Luis, you know, who is our pastor of our Spanish service. Um, who, who, they'll be in the, at the NPR at, at 11. And they're there every, every, uh, every Sunday. For those of you who know Spanish, Pastor Jose Luis, great guy. But if you know anything about him, he's always got this giant smile on his face, right? And, uh, and so we're at lunch and he's his happy, smiley self, you know, and, uh, we're going to take him to a Mexican restaurant, make him even happier. And, uh, we're, we're just talking about life and, and, and I just told him, I go, man, I, I just love the way it seems like you're never stressed. You've got this peace, this joy. And, and then he tells me about how a couple weeks ago he was up there and he was preaching and, and he goes, as he got up there, he goes, he goes, oh, I don't, it's, it's like this joy, you know, so much joy. I was so happy, you know, and, and I'm listening to him. And I thought, I want to be happy, you know, I, I want, I, I, I want to, I want some of that, you know, and he's just talking about, you know, the spirit of God coming on him and he just, just felt like this joy, like he'd never felt and what an amazing time that was. And, and, uh, and I just, I just remember just, just after lunch, just going, God, that's who I used to be, you know, I can get right back to that, Lord, have your spirit come into me. What is all this stress stuff? That is a terrible picture of you. Give it, give me back that joy. Um, let me reflect on that joy. And, you, you, you know, it, it's not one of those things where we, we, we go, okay, so I'm going to work harder and I'm going to get my peace back and uh, I will fix this thing. That, that's ridiculous. It really is one of these things of prayer. And it's one of those things where maybe it's that we don't soak in the grace of God enough. And we don't sit there and relax and be still and just accept what we've been given. And when we don't do that, of course, we're not going to dish it out. <laughs> you know, the same type of grace that we've been given. And so I thought, you know, let's take another morning and just reflect on the grace of God and, and some of the goodness of God and the things that he's given us. Because um, here's, here's another thing. It's always been my conviction that people can't make you mad. And circumstances can't stress you out. You do that to yourself because anger and anxiety are both sins and God will never let us be in a position where we don't have control over it. He'll never te- allow us to be tempted beyond what we can handle. So if someone's uh, saying something negative or rumors or whatever else, that, I can't say, oh, they made me so mad. I say, wow, I, let my, I allowed myself to get angry. Um, I sinned and circumstances are not the things that stress you out. You stress out because you're a stressed out person. 
you know, and you know, and maybe sometimes God puts you in a position where you have no opportunity to stress. But but it's about your character, and so just slowing down again and saying, God, you know what? No one makes me angry. Circumstances don't stress me out. That's something we have control over. I have the Holy Spirit in me. And everything he wants to do is about peace. It's about joy. It's about displaying this grace. And saying, God, okay, so, so change this in me. And, and God is so faithful to prayer. You know how we were just talking about Mariam and Marzier there in Iran. And, and now this hope and their attorneys going, wow, this is looking good now suddenly. And you go, wow. Gosh, why didn't I think about praying? And I and I shared with you how, remember a few weeks ago, I talked about holy anguish, and I was so bummed out that I hadn't been crying for the lost. And then what happens the next Sunday? I'm I'm crying over these these people that uh, that I began relationship with that weren't weren't believers, and I just was sobbing, you know, just crying, going, God, why well, save them, save them, save them? And then last Sunday at five o'clock service, one of those two guys that I was praying for got baptized, and uh, yeah, it was just an awesome thing. And uh, but but I, I just go back to the prayers, like, okay, God, I don't anguish over the loss. Well, I'm not going to stress out over. It. I'm going to pray, God, give me anguish. Because um, Paul had an unceasing anguish in his heart over those who didn't know you. So God changed me and fixed that. And what do I do? I start crying, and, you know, and I, I start losing it over these people that I care about that don't know Christ. And then, uh, you know, last week, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I'm praying about grace and saying, God, give me that joy back. I, I want that grace again. I, I want to experience it in my life. And so... What happens? Thursday night, I'm getting ready to speak and just talking to some people, you know, I haven't seen in a while. And, and they're asking me about my life. And I talked about God and how good he was. Pretty soon I just find myself crying, going, I can't believe I'm even stressed. About, why did I stress about anything? I, I, I just described all these amazing things that God's allowed me to be a part of. I've, t- I've talked about these great things that he's done in my life and his grace on me. And I just start crying over the goodness of God and the grace of God. And, and, and it's just amazing how simple prayer is. It's like, God, give me anguish. Okay, oh, I'm anguishing. Give me grace. Oh, your grace is so good. You know, it's just, it's like, what's going on? And, and it's not coincidental. And it's not like a, you know, work your way into something. It's just, it's what God does. And so I've been praying just over you and praying for the grace of God. And, and even as we're singing, you know, and we're, we're singing about God making us glorious, I'm feeling it again, like, God, that's right. This is good. This is good, the way you made me. I, I wouldn't want to be anyone else because your grace has been shown in my life. Um, so let's, um, let, let's look at some verses in Galatians this morning. Uh, Galatians was a just a book I read on the plane the other day, and um, and it was just reminded of some truths. And we're not going to go through the whole book, but we're just going to look at a little bit in each chapter. And I'm not going to go real deeply into anything, obviously, um, because we're kind of just going to skim through some promises. Sometimes it's good just to hear the word of God, like last week. Wasn't it good just to hear some verses read over you? Gosh, one more thing. Okay, then we'll read. Seven o'clock service. Okay, we had a few people from Iran here. Iran, I guess is how you say it. And, um, 
And uh, but one of the guys, he he didn't feel comfortable sharing. They felt like it was too much of a security risk because we've got these videos and everything going on, and um, the podcast. And so the the evening services at seven. I'm like, well, these aren't videotaped, and you know, we got we got policemen all over with guns, so we're, we're we're safe. You know, do you think he could get up and share some thoughts? And uh, because he was going back to Iran, he just thought the security risk, we, can, we just can't do it. And so 7 o'clock, I go, let's do something different this service. Let's, you guys share more because you guys are awesome. You know, it's amazing what you're doing over there. And this guy gets up, and we gave him a fake name. I called him Pedro. Good Iranian name. And, uh, and, uh, and he just went by a different name up there. And he started telling his story, though. And, and to me, the most significant part was he talked about how he's a younger guy great communicator and he was talking about how he had this new testament that was given to him and how he read it over and over and over again and everything in him was dying because he wanted to hear the whole story of god and there was no old testament accessible to him and 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 just listening to this guy talk about that, and he's going, gosh, I just want to know everything. I, I want to know all about God. And, and he figured out a way to get an Old Testament. And so he borrowed money and, you know, from some of his, his Muslim friends. <laughs> he borrowed this money and stuff, just enough to get an Old Testament. And he talked about how when he got this book, how he slept with it at night. And how he'd wake up first thing in the morning. He just had to know everything about God. And I thought... That's such a foreign thought to us. Because we know the Bible's accessible, but I thought, man, if I were him, and if I were in a place where I couldn't get it, it almost makes you want it more. You know, and there's a laziness that can develop because we go, oh, we've got them everywhere. I've got like 12 of them in my house. I just never read them. You know, I don't like the version that I have. And I, I, I heard this other guy has a better version, and I want to get his. And you know what? I'd rather hear it explained from this guy in this setting. You know, and he just hungered for the word. He just loved the word. And it was, it was just good. It was just good for me to go, Lord, I, I want that type of hunger in me just for the word of God. As he is describing this joy of, man, I got to know everything about God. Some of you have had Bibles in your house your whole lives, and you still haven't read through it. There's not this longing to know everything about God. And I, 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 that's another prayer I have for this church, is that we would just fall in love with this book. Um, this book, and just when you're alone, you're in love with this book. And you're trying to get everything you can because this book describes what God is like, everything about him. And you just want God so badly that you seek him out for yourself. And that the comforts and the luxuries that we have in the U.S., sure, take advantage of them. Take advantage of the fact that you can listen to, you know, as many messages from as many different people around the world as you can through the Internet. You know, praise God for that. But there's just something about being alone with this book and just loving it and studying it for yourself. Galatians 1, um, verses 15 and 16. Paul says this. He goes, But when he who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. I just want to point out a few things in this in these verses. Okay, right right before that, um, 
in, in verse 13, he talks about how he used to violently persecute the church of God and how he was, remember Paul was, was Saul. He was the one that was, you know, killing Christians. Okay, that's what he was doing. But then he says this, and it's such a great phrase. He goes, but when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me. Okay, remember Paul is, is, is heading out to Damascus and he's looking to arrest and persecute more Christians. But at that time, God appears to him on the road. And so Paul, Paul knows, look, I was going out killing you guys. That was my job. That's what I was passionate about. And then God shows up and says, what are you doing? And, and what Paul says about that experience is when he who had set me apart before I was born. What does Paul say? Paul's saying, look, God knew that was going to happen before I was even born. And he set me apart for this ministry before I was born. This is something that God had planned out from eternity past. He knew that day was going to, it wasn't like God was surprised. By Saul's conversion, this was, he says, he set me apart before I was born and he called me by his grace. That means Paul, Paul wasn't saying, look, I did all these great things so God chose me. He goes, no, he called me by his grace. He just showered me with this blessing. I was heading the wrong direction and I'm going nowhere and then suddenly this happened and he set me apart before I was born. I want you to rest in that. Okay, what are you going to fix? Whose life are you going to fix? I mean, God has things set in order. And he's, you know, Paul could have this peace of going, look, I saw the way my life was headed. And then God showers me with grace and he knew that was going to happen. And this was all an act of God. And so I, 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 just, I just went away. I didn't just immediately go, hey, 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 you know, he goes, I could just rest in God and just went away and just got things right. And it's just, it's such a powerful thought for me, just resting on those verses and going, God, you knew that I was going to be up here speaking to you guys, pastoring Cornerstone. He knew I was going to be out traveling doing these things he knew i was going to be writing stuff so why am i stressed about all this stuff this was stuff that he knew before i was even born he set me apart for these things and i'm worried about it nothing to worry about galatians 2 galatians 2 verse 20 paul says i've been crucified with christ it's no longer i who live but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Again, reminding us, because there was was this curse that came with the law. You had to live by it. And everyone in this room has failed at that. I failed miserably at trying to live and live a good life and obey all the commandments and live according to the law. But he says, you know what? It, was, it wasn't God's 
plan that we would save ourselves through the law. The law was to show us that you can't save yourself. And he says, you know, if, if you could, then, then Christ died for no reason. Christ paid for you. He paid for your sins this week and this year and last year, all of that. He, he did it all. And I, I, the phrase that, that I loved was, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Just this morning, do you, are you convinced? Okay, don't just give the Sunday school answer. Think deeply about your life right now. Are you convinced that Jesus Christ, your creator, loves you and gave himself for you? Jesus in heaven, are you convinced right now that he loves you? Is there a part of you that's wondering, well, I'm not sure because I did this, this. Slow down. Are you convinced right now that Jesus loves you and that he gave himself for you? you're not sure of that you're going to start doing things out of a works mentality and earning type of mentality rather than as a response to his grace chapter 3 verses 13 and 14 Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us for it is written cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree so that in Christ Jesus, Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. You believe that, that you're not cursed by God, those of you who have put your faith in Jesus, because Jesus took the curse for us. When he was hanging on the cross, he was cursed. He took the curse. He took the curse on that tree. So that we could have this blessing, the same blessing that he gave Abraham. But what is this blessing? It says, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Do you know why Jesus died on that cross for you? Number one, to take the curse for you so that you wouldn't have to pay for it at the end of your life but also so that you could receive his spirit. Christ died on that cross so that his Holy Spirit could come into our bodies. It's an awesome promise. He died so that his spirit could be in me. Galatians 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God's. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, 
How can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? You understand that? You are no longer a slave but a son. In the previous verse, he talked about how we were adopted. Right now, do you believe with all of your heart that you are an adopted son or daughter of God? You know, some of you were adopted physically. And some of you were adopted by parents that took you in and treated you like you're, you're one, you, you are one of the kids. They, they treat you no, no differently. Um, you know, my wife and I, we talk about, gosh, I'd love to adopt because I want this picture in our lives. And I, I would just love a, a child. Let's just look. Let's, let's, let's get a, a child that, that you didn't give birth to and, and just adopt and love. And there's no difference. I want to show that because that's what God's done for us. But do you believe that about yourself, that you really are a son, not, not, not a secondary son or daughter of God, but really like a kid? You're his child. And that you're not his slave. You're not going around just going, okay, okay, what do you want me to do now? Okay, I'll do that. I do that. Okay, but don't beat me. Don't, don't, don't curse me. No, you're, you're a child of God. Do you believe that? And I love, I love the phrase when he says, but now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God. I love how he switches that. I talked about this when we went through Galatians, you know. All my life I was saying, I know God, I know God, I know God. And then I read this verse and I thought, well, that's even more powerful to think I'm known by God. That that means, that means if you could go to heaven right now and, and go to that amazing throne of God and say to God, God, do you know Francis? That God himself would say, oh yeah, I love him. That's insane. That God would say, of course I know Francis. He's my son. <laughs> How much security is there in that thought right there? Do you believe that right now? Do you believe that literally if I could be transported to heaven right now and I could have an opportunity to speak with God right now, like I could stand before his throne right now and, and say to him, Hey, hey God, do you, do you, know, um, do you, do you know Troy Mickle? That God would say, Of course I do. I love him. That's my son. Do you believe that if I said your name before God, he would say, Of course I know him. Of course I know her. That's my son. That's my daughter. Wait till they get here. I'm gonna, they're going to inherit so much. I'm going to blow their minds. Do you believe that about God right now? Soak that in. Chapter 5, verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or, circums, or uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love. He was talking about works and, and these different things that would, you know, back then they would say, you know, well, you got to do this, you got to do that. And he goes, you know what, all that stuff, it doesn't matter. The only thing that matters right now is faith working through love. So, 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 so calm down, you know, like, like you think, no, I got to fix this, I got to do this, I got to do this. No, only thing that matters is faith. Working itself through love. 
faith expressing itself through love. All God wants you to do, have faith in him. And that faith may be expressed in love this week. And if you're doing that, you're doing what he wants you to do. You're giving an accurate picture of God. Chapter 6, verse 10, verses 9 and 10. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are the household of faith. He closes it and says, look, at the end of the day, you guys, we get tired, don't we? He says, don't grow tired, don't grow weary of doing good. Just keep doing good. It's tiring, but keep doing it because at the right time, you'll, you'll reap a reward. You will. It's going to be worth it. It's always going to be worth it if you don't give up. So while you still have opportunity as we're still alive today, let's just show grace to other people. Let's just keep doing good to people because God's been good to you. And let's especially show it amongst ourselves can you just look for people in the household of faith just to show grace to? Not because they deserve it, then it wouldn't be grace. Um, just find people that maybe have mistreated you and just show them the love of God because you're so secure as a child of God and you're so sure that he's watching and loving you and just go and show grace. It's, uh, it's been so good for me just this week to dwell on the grace of God and to slow down and go, God, I want your peace. I want your grace. I want your joy. I just want to reflect you accurately. And um, the hard thing is he's also given me that anguish that I prayed for a few weeks ago. And how do you have the joy of the Lord and unceasing anguish for those who don't know the Lord and have both of those simultaneously. I don't know. I feel like I'm getting there though. Um, and I don't believe it's possible outside of the Holy Spirit of God. Somehow, the Apostle Paul who says, I have unceasing anguish. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. Also says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Somehow he's the one that says, don't be anxious about anything. So he was anguishing and yet not anxious. And that's what I struggle with is I start thinking about some of you that might not really know the Lord. And, and I anguish, but I also get anxious. Like, I got to do, you know, I, I just want to go nuts and just scream at you, hit you, whatever it takes to go, do you get what you're headed for? There's the, I, I can't, I'm, I'm praying for that. I'm going, God, I want to anguish, but I also get anxious. Like, I got to do something. I got to. And that's what motivated Paul, but somehow he was able to do that and still have this joy and this peace always. And I'm going, okay, Holy Spirit, I don't know how that's done, but just do that in my life. Because that's a mystery to me. 
to have unceasing anguish and unceasing joy at the same time. I don't get it, but I feel like I'm getting there. I just feel like God's answering that prayer and somehow both are coexisting in this one body somehow. And I just want to pray over you right now. As the worship team comes up, I'm just going to pray over you that that God would just do that work in us. um, That he would begin to change us that way. God, we want to show Simi Valley and the rest of the world an accurate picture of you. We want to teach your word accurately, but we also want to display you accurately. So I'm asking you right now, God, please change us. Help us to feel the anguish and the joy all at once, as we can't do that humanly. I pray that your Holy Spirit will help us with both of those things so that we can display you accurately. Thank you for your grace and forgiving us for the times when we don't show grace to others. We don't show forgiveness. And we just don't love. Thank you for still loving us. Thank you for treating us as your children, not as your slaves. We just want to sing about your goodness now. In Jesus' name, amen.